here's this if you eat magic spoon and here's what you get if you eat cinnamon toast crunch if you eat cinnamon toast crunch you get diabetes if you eat magic spoon you live forever <laughs> um and i thought that was a really like a great ad like all of these like comparisons where there's a split line are great ads the businesses that have the best ltv kind of follow that framework which is basically first of all you're not even thinking about this problem but we're going to present a problem to you so step one is present the problem then it's our product is the solution because effortlessly it does X. This is Limited Supply, the place for refreshingly real takes on what D2C is really like. We're your hosts, Nick and Moyes. Let's start talking about money. Did you know that the Messi, Messi's a soccer player, his store tripled sales in a month after they launched their Tapcard app? They saw a higher conversion rate, obviously, because it's within the app, but sending people to their app and then getting people to browse and shop, especially for a category like apparel, it crushed for them. They got push notifications, they got instant page loading, which I don't know if you've run like ads on TikTok yet, their instant page works really well for conversion and in the mobile app, it does just as well. Uh, You get one-click checkout and typically we see higher AOV from that as well. I think if you're a limited supply listener, you should definitely be on TapCart. You should go to tapcart.com slash limited. You'll get two months free. Try it out. Send it to us. We'll rate it and we'll give you a review. Nick, this is episode eight of our podcast. Uh, We've already recorded episode nine. We had some trouble uh, getting it on air for March 8th. So this is actually going to launch tomorrow and we had to move version. We had to move what was going to be episode eight into episode nine. Uh, But I'm super excited about today. A bunch of stuff to talk about. We're going to talk a little bit about fundraising in the direct-to-consumer community, which I have a tough time understanding what's going on right now. We're going to talk about some Warby Parker earnings some new features on Clavio and Stripe. Uh, one crazy Indian company, like a company based in India that I chatted with called Jugnu, which is such an Indian name. Um, <laughs> and some other tips that I've got for uh, pop-ups. And then finally, this Wall Street Journal article about Ozempic, which is not a weight loss shot, but everyone's using it that way. Cool. Okay, so a bunch of stuff to get through. Yeah. And this week, I'm in San Diego at e-commerce fuel as well. So Episode 10, I'll have a bunch of notes on my recap of this event. Okay, awesome. Are you talking at e-commerce fuel today? I'm talking tomorrow. You're yeah, talking so tomorrow. Okay. basically today when this podcast comes out. Okay, I love e I, I spoke to, uh, in front of them in like 2019. I really love that community. Like it's a bunch of six, seven, and eight figure businesses. You know, I do feel like people stay on for life in e-commerce fuel, and I feel like there should be new blood and old blood should sort of move out of the way because like, it's really good if you're launching a new business. It becomes less helpful if you've got like, you, you know, if you've been in business for 10 years, I think, or been in business for five years, but I really love the community and love the people in it. I had a great time. I hope you have a great time there too. Yeah, it's been pretty fun. It's funny because like in New York, or I think a lot of the brands that we tend to talk about you know, they're venture backed, they're scaling like crazy. These are just like, you know, a couple that sells crochet kits and they're making $20 million or, you know, some guys selling $5 million worth of automatic assault rifles on the internet or, um, you know, somebody selling like sprinkler heads. You can, there's like a proper license and screening process to get the gun. But, you know, somebody else sells sprinkler heads and makes, you know, $35 million. It's just like, Completely different than what I would say we normally talk about, but uh, it's a very, very awesome community, very supportive. Everybody here is insanely nice. So yeah, it's just yeah. fun to hang around like awesome people who are equally as much of a nerd as you are about something. 
I remember I t- attended one other like mastermind and at that mastermind, you you talk to someone and be like, hey, so what's your business? And they're like, I'm not telling anybody my business because I'm afraid everyone here is going to copy it. And I was like, this, it was the first time I was there and I was like, this is toxic. Like everybody, <laughs> you won't even share your name. You're like, hey, my name is John and I won't tell you my last name. It felt like it was a meeting of CIA agents. And um, the e-commerce fuel community is the exact opposite of that. And I really love that. Uh, but okay, let's get into some uh, fundraising stuff. The reason I wanted to bring this up is because basically I thought fundraising in e-commerce was dead and has been dead for, or like, you know, has been really slow. I shouldn't say dead, but it's been really slow for at least a year. Uh, Like a far fewer brands are going out there to raise money. Even like the e-commerce SaaS, like even SaaS community in general has been much slower, but the e-commerce SaaS community has been slower as well. Like I don't see the Yapos or Clavios or Postscripts or Okendos. Like I I don't see any of these brands or Gorgeouses or any of those things launching new fundraising rounds. And it's not their fault. It's just like there's been a market correction and they fundraised 18 months ago or 22 months ago or something to that effect and have been utilizing those funds. And that's been great. But all of a sudden, in the past like seven days, I saw a bunch of e-commerce businesses or consumer brands raise money and not like raise growth equity money of like $40 million. Like I'm already in Target. This is a $40 million secondary round. I'm putting it all in my pocket. This private equity firm is going to take 70% of the business. I own 30% and we move on. Like it's not that. It's like series A rounds. And you and I are in one of them, Imi, the ramen, co- the instant ramen company with the Kevins. They raised $10 million. Uh, there's this company called Oats Overnight that raised $20 million. I'm in that one as well. Are you really? Yeah. I, I just heard of this business. What is that? I've never that tried the product. You're it so fucking but casually, huh? My co-founder in 1180, Scott, every morning he just like, he has his Oats Overnight shaker bottle on his desk. And I've seen him have it for over a year. So I, as soon as I saw the opportunity, I was like, I'm in. I don't, I've never tried the product, don't know what it tastes like, but I've seen him use it for a year. So I'm convinced. Well, uh, looks like a great investment so far. I guess two things that are interesting. One is how you made that investment. My brother invested in like Hintwater and in a couple other businesses simply by virtue of the fact that he had the products in his office and people would come by and be like, hey, I want to try this. Or like people would come by and just drink it all. Like Hint, he's like, we when we didn't have Hint Water at Tiny Co's offices, the staff was like, hey, where's the Hint Water? And so he's like, this is good. This is a great business because people care about it and are mentioning it to me when uh, it's not here. I'm looking at Oats Overnight's website right now. They do this really interesting thing if you scroll down below the fold where they compare Oats Overnight versus like cereal or versus like a Starbucks Frappuccino versus like eggs as breakfast or a pastry and like how Oats Overnight is better for you. It's actually a really great display of like Magic Spoon does this really well as well. Like Magic Spoon would do this thing where they're like, here's this if you eat Magic Spoon and here's what you get if you eat Cinnamon Toast Crunch. If you eat Cinnamon Toast Crunch, you get diabetes. If you eat Magic Spoon, you live forever. Um, and I thought that was a really like a great ad, like all of these like comparisons where there's a split line are great ads. The businesses that have the best LTV kind of follow that framework, which is basically, first of all, you're not even thinking about this problem, but we're going to present a problem to you. So step one is present the problem. Then it's our product is the solution because effortlessly it does X with minimal effort. This product accomplishes something. And then the benefit is what you receive. Now, the reason it does so well for LTV is because it also in the same way says, if you stop this subscription, 
you will get fat again, or you know, you will get diabetes, or you will be you will turn ugly. So Oats Overnight does this really well. Magic Spoon does this really well. There's two other businesses. One is Canopy and one is Jolie. We've talked about both of them. Both are products that one is a humidifier and it is framed in the light of a beauty product. The same thing with Jolie. It's based, it's a shower head framed in the light of this is a beauty device. They both have subscriptions. And the reason they both have such low churn is because of that same framework of you are sleeping at night and your air is dry. So your skin is getting dry. If you use our humidifier, automatically you will become beautiful. We have a filter subscription to keep the moisture in the air clean. And if you do not get our subscription, you will become ugly. (laughs) And I think like most businesses are based on that premise of here's a problem, here's a solution to it. This is even more interesting because it's almost like the problem, like just replace a daily thing that you're already doing. Like Jolie, like I think most people don't have, most everyone has a shower head. Most people don't have filter showers. Canopy, I think most people don't have humidifiers. Although if you live in San Francisco, I bet there's a chance that you have like an air purifier because of all the fires. But like this is like, uh, here's an ad where you're looking at it and you're like, oh, this is what I usually do. This is the exact replacement to it. It's a substitute good. And the substitute good is better for me. And so I should switch. And they're like, hey, overnight oat is better than a, a bowl of cereal. Humidifier is better than no humidifier. But I don't know how you could create an ad like this where you'd split it down the line and you'd be like, here's a humidifier, here's no humidifier, and here's what your skin looks like. There'd be another step. This is incredible because it's just like, here's what you're doing currently. You're eating cereal. It has two grams of protein. Have overnight oats. It's 20 grams of protein. Yeah, it's a good point. But anyway, oats overnight, you're an investor. They just raised $20 million. I've never heard of the brand. Sounds like you barely heard of the brand and you just made a a bunch of money on it. Belly Welly is this company that does like bars for girls that have, or I shouldn't say girls, for people that have IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. And I actually met the founder some time ago. Her name's Katie. I heard of this and I was like, okay, I don't know what to think about it. And she just raised $15 million at a time where it's like really hard to raise money in consumer brands. Things must be going quite well, I would imagine. I remember she posted on Instagram and she's like, I think they bought a billboard that said, hot girls have IBS. Yeah. Have you seen that? Like, I, I, I have, I'm not sure if it was a real billboard if it, or if it was computer generated, but I was like, this is a great, great ad. It was a real billboard. Um, that said, hot I'm girls pretty sure have IBS. Yeah. That's what I love about consumer brands. Even today, you know, Procter & Gamble has been around for 150 years. Native has been around for eight years. Even today, people are constantly innovating on marketing strategies. You know, like hot girls have IBS. What an interest. Like I, that billboard would get my attention. The same way that Liquid Death had that billboard that said murderers for hire. Like that would get my attention. So would this. There was another really interesting one. I don't know where I saw it, but I saw it this morning, either an email or on Twitter. And this company, I think it was a cereal company. They put these really awesome looking photos of their cereal bowl and then in big text, it says, Dwayne Johnson loves our cereal. And then at the bottom, it's like, we're talking about Dwayne Johnson, the bus driver in, in Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> and then, you know, Serena Williams eats our cereal every day. And then at the bottom, Serena Williams, the librarian in Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, that's really funny. I still feel like they're going to get cease and desist letters. I'm not sure For if sure. they should get cease and desist letters. In fact, letters, that would probably clever. be even better. That would yeah, add yeah, to the that story. Yeah, that is really clever. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, there's two other brands I wanted to mention. There's a brand called Tinted, which sells like a makeup for um, makeup for women. But I think they're they're probably uh, centered a little bit more around like women of darker shades or colored women. It was started by this Indian woman. And then there was a popcorn company. They raised $10 million. There was a, a popcorn company called Poppy Popcorn that raised $3 million. All of a sudden, like in the past like week, I've seen all of these brands. They're at least announcing the deals. I'm not sure if Belly Welly raised. Them. I know a lot of these deals were done months ago and they just didn't want to announce it yet. But yeah, it feels as if there's definitely a lot less pitch decks in my email. But yeah, I mean, some of these brands, you know, I think it also sets brands like Immy apart. Immy's doing like real revenue. They're running a real business versus they're not spending the money the same way they would have maybe three years ago. I mean, those guys are different. They never spent a dollar in the beginning anyways, but generally. You're right. Yeah. This, these are real businesses with real revenue that have like growth opportunities where they're like, hey, we're thinking they're going to target or we need to expand for some reason or another or need some like capital. They are not, hey, we're starting a business. We need $2 million to figure out whether or not this consumer brand is going to work. I see a lot fewer of those decks as well. Agreed. But anyway, it was it was refreshing to see. I was really glad to see it. I, like, you know, it, it was an odd time for me to see it because I feel like the markets are so close to fundraising right now or it's so difficult. Like the stock market is so tough. Interest rates are so high. And like, you know, as an investor, the way I think about investing is like, you know, a, two years ago, if you're sitting on cash, you can do nothing with the cash. You've got to find a way to invest it to make a return. Today, you can invest it in a corporate bond or a US treasury and make 6% or 5.5%. And that's like a, a legitimate return. So you're like, I can make 5.5% here. Is this investment in Immy or Belly Welly or Tinted or Oats Overnight or this popcorn brand going to do better than my 5% guaranteed return in the US treasuries? And so I was glad to see this. I hope that we see more of these. Uh, I'm not confident we will, but I hope we see more. Uh, but okay, Same. let's let's move on. I want to talk about Warby Parker earnings. You said you had taken a look at those. Would love to get your thoughts. I haven't done a good job of that. I'll give you a quick rundown of all the things that I think were interesting in the earnings report. So as we know, Warby Parker, they have frames. I'm wearing these right now. Warby Parker, fresh, fresh pair. Frames are 95 bucks. The most it gets to is like 120 you get them within two weeks. They do the whole eye test. They do everything. So in 2020, they did 393 million. In 2021, they grew a ton, about 37% to 541 million. Last year, they did 598 million. So they only grew 10%. Their EBITDA was $3 million more, went from 25 to, tw- or t- yeah, about $2 million, 25 to 27. Yeah, they're adjusted EBITDA, to be clear. They're adjusted EBITDA. Right. I think adjusted like, uh, EBITDA. actual EBITDA is negative, probably. Yeah. The active customers grew not by a ton, about 4%. But all right, so some cool stuff. So their marketing spend went down, they said, 41% from $29.6 million to $17.6 million. Keep in mind, at the same time, they still had top-line growth as well as customer growth. Uh, can you repeat those marketing numbers one more time? Yeah, 29.6 to 17.6. That blows my mind that their marketing spend is $17.6 million. That, so a million and a half dollars a month on marketing spend. Uh, oh, this is in Q4. This oh, is just Q4 in Q4, sorry. Spend. Okay, Q4 marketing yeah. spend. Okay, $17 million. Okay, so five, $5 million a month or so. So $60 million, $70 million. Okay, gotcha. That that's, it doesn't seem crazy. Also, e-commerce represented a lesser 
piece of the entire pie in terms of the total business. So in 2021, it represented 41%. In 2022, it represented 37%. In 2022, the stores that were open for more than 12 months generated at least $2.1 million in revenue, which is a pretty, pretty solid stat. Um, their overall MPS score is 80. Let's break down a few of these things, and I'm going to do it live because I haven't really digested this information. So on average, let's say a store is doing $2.1 million in revenue. That means $175,000 in sales a month at a store, which means $5,800 a day. First, that does not seem like a lot, especially because when I go in for like an eye exam, it costs $200. But I think that eye exam may be like done by an independent optician, so that's that doesn't count. But we're talking about $5,800 a day. Let's say their average order is $120, or let's say it's $100, okay? We're talking about 58 sales a day. That doesn't seem like that much, does it? Like 58 yeah, people 58 going to a Warby sales. There was Last one I went to, there was about three sales associates there. So that's like 19 sales a day per person. It's not a lot. It's like two an hour. That doesn't seem I mean, my much. process did take probably about 30 minutes. So two an hour does sound kind of right. If you have like an eight hour day, you mean? like, But they're probably open yeah. for more than eight hours. Like maybe they're not, maybe like nine to six. I thought they'd go a little bit later, but um, that doesn't see, seem as 10 much to as eight. I thought it so would So 11 hours okay. actually. Yeah. That's like not as much as you'd think, like 2.1 hours. What's always crazy to me, and I think we should do the same research for all birds, is how brick and mortar stores scale. You don't need a fortune in revenue to support their existence. Like you need to be able to pay rent and employees, but you generally don't have marketing costs for a brick and mortar store. So you're like, okay, I had some capbacks. I put on some rent every month and some employees every month, and then it pays for itself. So th- these guys are doing two point one million dollars in stores with thirty five percent margins. That's pretty bananas. Yeah, per store. That is crazy. Also, the fact that e-commerce is now 37% of their revenue uh, is like, okay, so in stores is where they're going to be generating the, the majority of their revenue. And it, by the end of 2022, they had 200 stores. And in 2022, they opened up 40 stores. I wonder how many, like, I, like they're basically going to be, Dollar General is a bad example because Dollar, I'm not sure if that's the right brand, but Dollar General to Luxottica, like Dollar General of Pearl Vision and Lens Crafters and all those places that used to charge $700. They're like, hey, we're going to be Dollar General, like the the dollar store version of this. I think Costco is the right model. They're gonna, like, they're like, we're going to be the Costco for eyeglasses. They're the Trader Joe's because the they Trader own the Joe's. entire yeah. process. Yeah. Yeah. That is a really good uh, point. I'm a huge fan of Warby Parker. I mean, like, you know, Same. I used to pay $700 for glasses. Now it's, you're right, 150 bucks. Because I've got to get like the thin and light lenses, and you know they're great. I really like them. Uh, I wish the I- other thing that I appreciated was uh, I went to Costco first just to see what frames they had, and I didn't have my prescription on a piece of paper, like printed out, signed by the doctor. Because you know why would anybody? Yeah. And they wouldn't accept it any other way. Whereas Warby, you know, I just told them the numbers and they plugged it in. Okay. Well, uh, there was the, a long time ago. Uh, but basically, before you were born, there was an issue with Hubble Contacts doing this, where Hubble Contacts got in trouble because they were sending out contact lenses to people before they had verified a subscription. And apparently, it's the law that you verify a subscription. Oh, yeah. Well, they did take a photo of my phone. Okay, yeah, yeah. It was such a... Like, you know, first, I'm not sure why you need to verify a subscription... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, a, a prescription. Yeah, like, what's it going to hurt? <laughs> yeah, what am I going to do? I'm getting wrong contact lenses and selling <laughs> yeah. them on the black market. Hey, guys, I've got negative 2.75. Who wants some right now? Right. 
Right. You know, it's just like the uh, American Optometry Association or one of these fucking industry groups lobbying uh, government officials to make sure that they pad their pockets are padded so that Hubble contacts can't come in and do this. The same thing happened with like Smile Direct Club. When Smile Direct Club was starting to do Invisalign, the Invisalign people who just went off patent, like the orthodontists or whoever they were, were like, hey, you can't do this on the internet. A doctor needs to examine everything. Why? Because I went to medical school for four years. That's why. So uh, that, w- that was happening to Hubble Contacts. And I remember the- somebody did a hit job on them. I forgot what uh, news organization it was. Uh, you know, I read it and I was like, okay, these guys didn't verify a contact subs- a prescription. It's not that big of a deal. But um, yeah, you can get in trouble for that. Uh, well, super interesting stuff about Warby Parker. I'm a big fan of the brand. I've always loved it. And I think it's like, you know, everyone says, oh, we're disrupting this industry and nobody's disrupting any industry. We're just selling like, uh, you know, not substitute goods, but what we think are better goods. Warby Parker, I think, genuinely disrupted an industry because they changed the way that you buy glasses and fundamentally changed the price. Like they made them way more affordable. If you're a poor kid that's, you know, 12 years old and trying to buy a pair of glasses, it was not fun for your parents to have to spend $500. Now your parents can spend, you know, a hundred bucks and it's so much more reasonable. I really love their mission. Totally. Okay. So we know retention is the yin to the yang of acquisition. And we know about email, we know about SMS, we know about all these other channels. But one thing I think we don't talk about a lot is push notifications and mobile apps. And this is where Tapcart comes in. If you saw the Shopify Editions update that just came out, they talked a ton about their app, Shop, which is doing a ton for merchants. They're seeing higher AOVs, they're seeing higher conversion rates. And we've actually seen the same with our clients who use a Tapcart app. The beauty is you can't even tell it's built by Tapcart. The Tapcart essentially is the CMS. It's the Shopify of the mobile app. Uh, They build it in Tapcart, they get it live, and they can start sending traffic either through their email list, on their site, there's a little pop-up that says, you know, open, open the app versus looking at it on the site. And it's been pretty amazing to see how special customers feel in their mobile app. You know, they get push notifications, they get customized notifications based on when they last bought. So if you're buying, you know, if I bought native deodorant and I'm, you know, 40 days out, I'll get a push notification that says, hey, you're probably running out. Click here, you know, get a discount or whatever. Click here to buy real quick. I think it's something that our limited supply listeners should check out and they can actually get two months free at tapcart.com slash limited. So check it out, build an app, send it to us. We'll review it, DM it to me or Moise. And we'll see you on the other side. Let's talk about this Jugnu thing, okay? Jugnu, I don't know how I really got hooked up with these guys, but it's basically this company in India that has a bunch of apps that are ready to go. It's not like, uh, you know, Tapcart, where it's got like e-commerce apps that it's going to do something. It really has like right now, like Uber and food delivery and bike rental apps and like airport transfer software or bus riding software. So it's got all of these apps. And they're like, look, we've built out the entire app, both from a consumer perspective and a business perspective. And so like, let's say you want to launch an Uber competitor. Great. It'll be $5,000. We have everything ready to go. We're going to put the skin that you want on it and you'll have your app. It's all coded and ready to go today. We can have it going, you know, today's Tuesday. We're recording on Tuesday. We can have it to you by Friday. Wow. First of all, did you talk to them over Zoom or Skype? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It wasn't me, but I kid you not. One of my friends talked to them. And the person on the other side at Jugnu started smoking a cigarette during the conversation. 
Oh my god. Which is the Dude, most Indian thing you could ever do in your entire life. Uh it is so funny. This looks cool. I mean, knowing the you know how a lot of the dev shops work in India, they do kind of work like this. They build these templates and then they go sell crazy amounts of sites or, you know, apps or whatever. This looks awesome though. I mean, it's basically yeah. just like it's like Canva but for like starting your own version of Uber or, you know, delivery dispatch or employee transportation, bus booking. Even they they have like a bike rental app you can just <laughs> download and set up a bike rental shop. Yeah, it's almost like Shopify for other verticals, which I thought was really interesting. And it actually got me into thinking, like, why is no one doing this for Shopify? Uh, and I realized that Shopify exists. But like, if you're a larger store or you want like a little bit more customization than like, uh, you know, a regular Shopify store offers, I'm surprised there isn't somebody who's like, I have an out of box solution for something that's competitor to Shopify that uh, will offer some of that customization or at least is more open source than Shopify. I always wondered why that didn't happen, uh, but I, I saw this and I was like, wow, these people are like, you know, this is really smart. Like, especially fit 10 years ago when everyone was like, I'm creating a competitor to Uber, you know, it'd be great to be able to be like, I got this white, like, you know, uh, a white glove version of this for $5,000. Do you remember when all the scooter companies like Bird and Lime, imagine if yeah. they were all just using, uh, what is it called? Jugnu in the back? They legitimately might, it would not be shocking to me if they were. Uh, yeah. Because they launched so fast. Like all these fintech companies, all these credit card companies, they all use the same company, which is Evolve Bank and Trust, as their like bank. Yeah. That's the real winner in the entire race. And these guys might end up being the real winner in 10 years when everybody's using Jugnu as their back end. Yeah, exactly. Because like, you know, um, if you're a scooter company, I'm not sure one of the scooter companies will become a trillionaire uh, or like, you know, a billionaire and all the other ones will fail. But the guys who will actually make the most money are the guys who are selling the jug news of the world. It's just like, you exactly. Know, Levi, like, you know, in 18, like, you know, in San Francisco, there was a gold rush. Some people found gold. Most people didn't. The guy who actually made money was Levi, the guy who created jeans for all of these people. Okay. I'm going to give you a piece of trivia and we're going to come back to it at the end. Do you know what the biggest Magento store is? I think it's in the world, but certainly in the United States. No. The, uh, the only business. Okay. We'll come back to it at the end in case other people, um, have thoughts and uh, you know what? Yeah, it's still built on Magento. I'm like eighty, yeah, yeah, it's still built on Magento. Okay, we'll come back to it. I'm curious to see if you'll be surprised or not. Um, okay, anyway, we went through Jugnu. Anyway, I, I think this should exist for more industries, and I think that also if you're building an e-commerce business, and for some reason Shopify isn't the right fit, and frankly, it should be the right fit. If it's not, you're probably building something way too complicated. But if it isn't, I bet there's a Jugnu out there that does this. Um, there is there this. is a company called Smart Theme, which is like a theme that you subscribe to on top of Shopify, which has a lot of similar things, like a lot of the the apps built in or scripts ready to go, or kind of modules for your product page that you would want to add. But it's it's still built on top of Shopify, which I think is to the to anybody's benefit. Yeah, I think that's everyone's benefit as well. And if, if for some reason you don't want to do that, uh, there is, there will be a jug new for e-commerce. I bet there is, and we're gonna we're gonna figure out who it is. Yeah. Um, okay. There are two a couple other things I want to chat about. One is Clavio uh, deliverability. They launched this new feature in the last couple of days. I'm not sure if you've seen it yet. I took a screenshot from a, a store that I uh, work with, and I added it on here. And basically, they tell you deliverability by domain, which is so important. Like, and anytime you got an email audit over the past like five or ten years, 
people would audit you by domain. Because it turns out that like, you know, Yahoo is pretty favorable and AOL is really favorable in terms of getting you a high open rate and getting your emails into into the inbox. And Hotmail is notoriously bad at this. Uh, or like not notoriously bad, but notoriously cautious about how to get people into their in about who they allow into your inbox. And so Hotmail does a better job, or better or worse job, depending on how you look at it, of making sure that your products don't get into the inbox as compared to Gmail. And so what a lot of businesses will do, and they've done this in the past, is they will they will create a separate segment or a separate list of people that have Hotmail, as their, like their account is moise at hotmail.com instead of moise at gmail.com. And so they'll say, okay, don't, uh, when I'm sending this blast email out, send it out to everybody that doesn't have a Hotmail account. If your email ends in hot at hotmail.com, what I want you to do is you need to have opened up an email in the last 30 days. You need to be super active or open, even opened up an email in the last 25 days as opposed to the last 75 days with Gmail. Because Gmail is like, okay, this person's still engaged with the brand a little bit. At Hotmail, they're like, this person hasn't engaged with the email in the last 30 days. Forget it. This guy, send this to spam. And so uh, as a brand, as a merchant, I will create a separate segment and a separate email campaign to send things to Hotmail than I will with Gmail. And so that's been around for some time and people have been doing that for some time. This is a great Clavio feature because rather than having to get an email audit, you can sort of see it right here. What's the advantage there? So if you separate out your Hotmail domains, then that means that your overall engagement is up and that favors you even more broadly among email inboxes? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you're, you have a better open rate. You have a less, like, let's say uh, in Clavia, you send out a blast email and 3% of your emails go to spam. You're going to get punished by the email providers. And I'm not sure if you'll get punished by Clavio itself, but definitely by the email service providers. If you have a higher open rate, those email service providers will say, hey, don't send this to spam. This guy has a very high open rate and a very low spam rate. Maybe it's not high open rate. That's not how they look at it. But spam rate is what they look like. For sure. Yeah, I think spam rate. Uh, yeah, anyway, so like uh, at Hotmail, you're very quickly going to go to spam if your users are not super engaged. So a lot of brands that I know, a lot of brands that reach a big scale will sort of separate out their Hotmail segment and email those people separately in order to keep the spam rate low everywhere and to keep engagement really high everywhere. Yeah. Have you ever just separated all of them out? AOL, Yahoo, Hotmail, Gmail, just to see if you can game the individual engagement rates? I have not done that. I bet it's a worthwhile proposition if you have a million people on your email list, because then you're like making real changes. You're like, you know, it's real. Like, you know, if you have only 10,000 people on your email list, it's not worth doing this. But if you have a million totally. people, it's worth doing this. Or if you're buying an old email list and trying to rewarm it up, I bet it's worth doing this as well. 100%. Have you ever done that? Bought like a big email list? I have never bought an email list, uh, but I do want to talk about that. Um, but yeah, any, like first, any, uh, uh, what do you think about this stuff? Like, have you done that? Have any of your brands done this, or you sort of don't get involved in the email side of things? Um, we don't really get involved too much on the email side of things, but I have not done this. I have thought about it many times before. The only thing I've thought is, or I always can come to conclude is, you know, either a like you're just going to get mass spam reported, b these people could just be, you know, you could just be buying a list of people who are never going to buy ever. And it could just be a bluff that somebody's selling you the list. And then the third one is like, if I were to get a legitimate list from a top tier brand or, or a brand that has customers I want to go after, I think the best way to do it would actually be 
to figure out how you provide content or value to them, get the open rate up before you try to sell something. You're not talking about the Clavio thing. You're talking about buying an email list. Is that right? Like, I just yeah. want to make sure I understand. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. I've got a couple stories around that. One is um, we at Native early on, we did this, like, you know how you do those email promotions? This was bigger. Oh, this yeah. was big like 10 years ago or five years ago where you're like, I'll send out an email to my group. You send out an email to your group. Everyone sends out an email to everyone's group. And then we like uh, have one sign up form where you win something and um, you, know, you can win a trip to Hawaii and everyone will enter their email address and we'll share those email addresses. So I'll send an email out to the native customer list and I'll say, hey, enter to win a trip to Hawaii sponsored by Native and Warby Parker and Cosmo Magazine and a bunch of other guys. And whoever enters that email list, their email gets distributed to all five guys. Right. I remember that. Yeah, that was big a long time ago. In fact, there was even some software, I forgot what it was called, that helped you do this. Yeah, like Viral Loop or Spark Loop or something kind of like, like that. that. There was a software yeah. that helped you do this and find brands. We did it with Cosmo Magazine once and a couple other guys. And Cosmo Magazine's like, we have 5 million people on our email list. And they sent out the email and they got like three people to opt in and could provide their email addresses. And I was like, Cosmo Magazine, you are such a fucking liar. Like, how do yeah. you know, this is what a ridiculous thing. I thought, I was like, who's is subscribed to Cosmo Magazine? But like, you know, I've heard of it. So I thought maybe it was a real thing, but it's not a real thing. It was a complete waste of time. I remember the first one I did, we kind of like pitched up a bit higher. So, like, you know, I think everybody, you were required to have something like 10 or 15,000 entries per brand that committed to this. And, um, you know, I was like, with the list I had, I was like, there's no way we're hitting 10 or 15,000, but I can game this thing where I can actually run, I can build an interest group on Facebook for people who just want free shit. And I can run Facebook ads to get signups and that'll hit our thing. And in exchange, I will get access to everybody else's email lists. So I thought it was clever. It worked and we got in, we got our entries. But then all, everybody, all the emails that actually came back from everybody else, whether it was like the skim or something big, the emails were horrible. I think the open rate out of the gate was uh, 16%, which is insanely low for a first email. I think the sales that were generated from it were nowhere near what you would have to get to justify you know, doing, this. doing all this. There's this guy that I met a long time ago, and he um, started running these Facebook ads, and he was like, free baby carrier. You know what a baby carrier is? It's like one of those things you strap onto your chest so you can have your toddler right in front of you or like your baby in front of you, but you keep your hands for free. Yeah. So he ran these ads that said, free baby carrier, just pay nineteen ninety five in shipping. He would get people to buy this, and then he would uh, order it from Alibaba and have it shipped directly to your door. And so he, act, like, once you bought from him, he would go to this site on Alibaba and actually buy it and have it shipped to your door. So he never even saw this baby carrier. And he's like, you know, my CAC was about $14 on this. And so I was actually making a couple bucks in order when I was doing this, like, drop shipping method for a baby carrier. But he's like, yeah. customers would complain and be like, why does this have Chinese writing all over it? Yeah, it's free. Yeah. Uh, and he would be like, He's like, you know, it was a pain in the ass because like initially he was doing one of these a day or something like that, but then he was doing about a hundred. And so he'd be a hundred times, he'd have to go into this Alibaba website and fill out the shipping information and place the order. And so finally it got to the point where the Chinese manufacturer was like, hey, just send us an Excel spreadsheet. We understand what you're doing. Just send us an Excel spreadsheet and we'll send the orders. You don't need to place a hundred orders through Alibaba.com. And, you know, he, he's like, you know, I used to get, he's like, people would complain and say, I want to return this baby carrier. I don't like it. It's got Chinese writing on it. And he's like, well, it was free. 
except 19.95 in shipping. So I'm glad to take it back, but you will get zero dollars. Ship it back to no, us. You, have, you will get yeah, zero you have to back. Pay, you have to pay us <laughs> to ship it back. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're, just throw it away. And so he's yeah. like, you know, the, he's like, ultimately the CAC and the um, price of the baby carrier got to sort of be uh, like, you know, his cogs and all in got to be pretty even. And so he's like, I really wasn't making any money doing this. But what I was doing is I was collecting an email list of 100,000 new moms who had just purchased baby carriers. What else could I sell then? And he's like, this was the way that I launched another baby business or another business for new moms was collecting email addresses in this really interesting way, which is drop shipping a product from Alibaba for free uh, you know, the cost of the baby carrier and the CAC on Facebook equal the shipping costs that he charged the customer. And then he's like, I've got 100,000 email addresses and now I can sell them pajamas or diapers or baby food or for, you know, anything else. And I thought that was a really interesting method of collecting email addresses and that were active and warm. I think that's the key is that they are warm in the sense that they gave their credit card. So these are not people getting, you know, just free, free stuff, but they're putting their credit card in and um, basically showing intent. That's a super, super great list. This used to be such a common thing among the Alibaba dropshipping bros, like the free plus shipping model, which is basically buy our product uh, it's completely free and it's $29 shipping and we're going to ship it inter- you know we can ship internationally we can ship anywhere and it was basically a game of just arbitraging shipping costs versus their CPM yeah i don't think it happens much i love the anymore. term you use like a bro- like there's a fraternity of yeah we do free oh. plus shipping <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. i'm free sure free plus shipping fraternity i'm sure ty lopez like you know founded that fraternity <laughs> yeah yeah but um yeah, no, it's it's totally uh, uh, Alibaba bros. You know who you are. Yeah, that's funny. There's a couple other things I wanted to mention about this. One is um, you were talking about buying a, fi- a terrible list. There was some like a student loan company started by a girl that sold her business to J.P. Morgan Chase. Did you see? Oh it my god, recently? I heard about and, this. Yeah, you know they sent an email out to her list, and they're like, it has a two percent open rate, or like you know after a hundred thousand emails, four people opened it, or something terrible like that. And they're like, okay, this is a fake list. That kind of stuff does happen. I'm not sure how J.P. Morgan Chase missed that during diligence, but pretty crazy that that happens. And the other thing you mentioned is Ty Lopez. Like, I wonder what it was like to rewarm those lists. Like, if you bought the list of Radio Shack when you bought Radio Shack's IP or Dress Barn's IP, I wonder what it's like to rewarm up those lists that sort of had not been active in so long. Yeah. I don't know what it was like, but I, I'm curious to I, like. I'm gonna talk. I'm talking to a company later this week about re, uh, warming up lists, uh, and I, I'm gonna have some more feedback for you uh, next week about that. There is somebody, you know, um, Kettle and Fire and Perfect Keto. They did this thing where they basically told their customers, "Hey, we're gonna start a newsletter, which is gonna be full of just value, and we're gonna have somebody uh, like a, a proper doctor write it." And um, we're going to opt you into it because you're a customer of ours. And if you're not comfortable with that, you can just click here to opt out. And I think something like 70% transferred over. And now they had basically a media property where, you know, I haven't read it in a while, but, you know, they could sell ads, they could run affiliate stuff, they could pump their own sales. It's pretty valuable. That's a really interesting idea. I hadn't thought about like, you know, turning the native email list into a personal wellness list and then being like, okay, now we have this other media property that we sell ads into. One of the people that we talk about in the next episode, he's got a huge list he's built over the last two years. And he's basically thinking, how do I take this niche that 
has not really been served in terms of newsletter content? And how do I build a newsletter around this topic and just try to make it the number one destination for what I sell? Which I think is awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, there was one other thing I wanted to talk about before I moved on from Clavio. One of my brands ran this A-B test for a Clavio pop-up, and it was post-purchase. And uh, they basically try and get you to put in your phone number and join the SMS subscriber list. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, the pop-up used to say, give us your phone number to get you know deals and to get exciting new information, all that bullshit about brands. And then they changed the pop-up. And in the pop-up, they wrote, we will only text you when we're offering you a discount. We will not text you except if you were going to save money. And the opt-in rate went from something like 17 or 18% to 42%. Wow. And this is all post-purchase or pre-purchase? This is post-purchase. This is post-purchase pop-up saying, give us your phone number. The only time we text you is when we offer you deals. We don't text you saying spring collection launched. We text you saying spring collection launched, save 10%. Otherwise, you won't get a text message from us. And the hard part about this is you kind of have to honor that. Or like, you know, you can create separate lists and you can say, this list I only text with discounts and this this list I text with everything. Like, you know, if you've got a pre-purchase, like landing page pop-up where you collect email and SMS, great. You can message that guy with anything. But this one is discounts only, has a 42 or 41% opt-in rate. And like, you know, they were running an A-B test for it last week. And uh, like it stopped after a day and a half because it was so clear that which one was going to win. It was uh, the one that says discounts only. And so people read these things. Like uh, I thought like, you know, when I see those pop-ups, I barely read them anymore. I'm like, oh, do you want to save money? Click the button that says, no, you don't. And, you you know, the pop-up will go away. Yeah, it goes away. Here's a spinner. Although, you know, which which, who has a really good one is Mini Katana. Have you seen their pop-up? It's like fruit ninja where you have to slash and you have to like slash a watermelon or a pineapple or something and then you get the discount. They're like slash one of these for different I'm not sure if they give different discounts but like it's really fun. It's like a game. It's interactive. It's oh, way cooler awesome. than a spin your thing. You know, yeah, like yeah. The, whatever. It's not spin. It's like here's a game. And I thought it was really cool. Uh this one's more interesting cuz the opt-in rate is crazy cuz it says we will give you discounts only. We will not contact you otherwise. It's not for email addresses and I don't think it would be good for email addresses cuz you want to contact people outside of discounts for e- with emails, but for text messages it might be worthwhile cuz you know you're generally sending out far fewer texts. They actually cost you a lot more money to send out. Um and so I thought that it was really interesting that a pop-up for discount codes would work. It can't be that hard to honor it like is not crazy when you think about the cost of acquiring another order. Yeah, it's not crazy at all. And like, you know, chances are you have a 10% code out there in the first place. Exactly. Before they purchase, they're going to look for a code. But like, you know, the opt-in rate goes so high so fast. um, It's really meaningful. And so that's why I wanted to mention it. Yeah, that's an awesome one. Okay, two other things, because I know we got to wrap up. One is the piece of trivia. The biggest store on uh, Magento is Thrive Market. What? Thrive is on Magento? Yeah, and they have been since forever. Uh like wow. one of their I wonder founders why. was a, one of their founders was a CTO. They launched 10 years ago before Shopify started dominating the landscape. And so I'm nearly certain that the largest uh e-commerce business on Magento is Thrive Market today. Wow, that is fascinating. Caskers, when we were re, we we went from Woo and we were deciding between Shopify and Magento, we went to Magento in like I don't know 2014 and it was we didn't know what we were doing, and it was a complete yeah. disaster. 
Okay. The other things I want to chat about, I know you've got to go in a couple minutes, is uh, this Ozempa or whatever that drug is. Uh, Ozempic. Ozempic. Yeah. I don't know why I can't pronounce it correctly. Uh, Ozempic. There was a great Wall Street Journal article about how these guys were selling Ozempic online in a really shady way where they were basically like, uh, here's a before and after photo of someone taking Ozempic. And then the Wall Street Journal was like, we found this photo on someone's personal trainer website. And then we contacted the guy whose photo it is. And he's like, I did this because I uh, dieted and exercised for a long time. I didn't use Ozempic. So this guy who's selling Ozempic, not the manufacturer, but a, a third-party seller, the Wall Street Journal is like, hey, this before and after photo isn't accurate. And uh, they like took down the before and after photo. Anyway, it was a really interesting article on like some direct-to-consumer marketing tactics and getting caught of running direct-to-consumer marketing yeah. tactics. What were some of the interesting idea. tactics? Well, he had before and after photos like this. He had, I think he had a trust pilot like um, – like, oh, like trust an image pilot image that said like yeah. 4.8 <laughs> stars or 4.8 4.7 it wasn't by trust pilot themselves he like yeah found of course an image he just made google. the image yeah. yeah he found an image on google images and like put it on his site and he's like look we have 4.7 stars oh, so like man. kind of shady stuff like that. i see so that happen that we... so much for the bbb <laughs> review and it's like you know first of all if a company has a bbb a plus sticker the only reason somebody has that there is because they're doing some shady shit. And then you go and find that real F-. one. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and they have to, they have, no, 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 not even that. They just have like an image. But if you really Google it, it's like, you know, F or whatever the low, low thing is. And it's just uh, a bunch of claims. But they, they just take, they just take image. the image. Yeah. And um, another interesting thing. So, I mean, this is not great advice, but one way that a lot of people get caught with this stuff, and it also happens with, like Business Insider logo or, you know, the Cosmopolitan Allure logo that people put as for, as like social proof is they don't rename the image files to be like trust pilot badge, you know, the, instead of just like, you know, 427389 image. And so these crawlers will find these files and then basically trace it back to you and hit you with a lawsuit or cease and desist or whatever. Uh, I'm sorry, so you should rename it or you should not? What should you name it as? If well, shady? I, I'm not saying you should do anything shady. But if, for example, you have a, a nice quote from Allure magazine and you want to put it on your site and you want to put the Allure logo, change the name of the file that you upload as the logo. Not To not say Allure logo, but say exactly. one, two, three image. Okay, gotcha. Exactly. Yeah, there's a great subreddit. I'm not sure if you're a part of it called Shitty Pro-Life Tips. Like there's yeah. one on Reddit called pro-life tips where it's like, you know, make sure you exercise every day. Shitty pro-life tips. Marry someone with the same blood type as you and or like, you know, whose kidneys are compatible with yours in case you need the into one. Uh, right. And I feel like we should spend one episode doing shitty pro-life tips just of, of what we've seen. Like, you know, that that business insider one or renaming that yeah. article one is like an interesting pro-life one. tips for e-commerce. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, I know you've got to run. One of the last things I want to end with is I'm trying to do a better job understanding what happened with REV and Ty Lopez and Alex and what happened to that business. So I've been reaching out to a bunch of people like confidentially and uh, finding out information, uh, and it's been super helpful. You know, I'm talking to everyone uh, and I'm keeping them anonymous, so I'm never going to mention a name about who I spoke to. But I'm trying to understand what happened to that business. You know, there was a Wall Street Journal article saying that that business might be going bankrupt or has hired some bankruptcy attorneys, like Kirkland Ellis. 
things don't look like they're going well there. Let me put it that way. And I'm trying to understand what happened and what went wrong. And so if you have any information and you want to remain anonymous, please DM me on Twitter. Uh, I want to find out that information. And if I'm able to find out anything that's worthwhile or material, I'm certainly going to bring it to the pod. Uh, And if you're Ty Lopez or Alex, and you want to come on the pod, please, we want you here. We want to learn about what went right. Like what you did is something like, you know, you acquired name brand institutions in the United States really quickly. And you were young guys and you were, you know, like Radio Shack and Pier One Imports. And we want to understand what the thesis was and what went right. And so if you're interested in coming on the pod, we'd love to have you. Honestly, that would be pretty cool. I did DM Ty to see if he would come. He hasn't responded. Uh, well, it could be tough right now because I know they're under, like, you know, they, they might be doing bankruptcy or the, uh, they might be just like doing a bunch of confidential things. But if you know what went right, even if you worked there two years ago, three years ago, please DM me. I'd love to jump on a call with you and see what's going on. Awesome. All right, boys. I got to head to the next thing, but this was a good episode. Appreciate your time. See you guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next time to cut through the noise in CPG, retail, and e-commerce. And if you enjoyed this episode, then why not share it with a friend? And be sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss the next one.